Thank you. Now, I'm not moving to the south of France. I've had several people ask me about that. We're only going on holiday, um, but you never know. Um, so anyway, I, I am in a quandary because uh, what I have is a wholly prophetic message uh, today. I'm hardly going to even open the Bible. So if you're visiting, uh, please be assured that we've just spent several weeks teaching thoroughly through Ephesians chapter 1. <laughs> But uh, I was preparing this week, and, and I was just sitting in my office on Tuesday, and God just started speaking to me. And I furiously wrote down, not because I was furious with what he was saying, but in haste, what he was saying to me. And I'm just going to read it to you. Um, and, and then I just want to sort of talk about it, all right? So uh, he says this. He says, Jubilee is growing to be a healing community. There's a pool of healing here. And people are going to hear about the pool. And many will come and bathe in the pool, be refreshed in that pool. Some will come for a while, get healed, and then move on again. The burnt stones will be restored and put back in the wall and begin to function again. For the restorer of the broken walls is here. Others will come, and as they go out, they will take with them vials of healing from the pool so that healing will happen in other places too. And I want to encourage you, if you're visiting today, I really believe there are things that you can take away with you today, like vials of healing. Still others will invest their lives in digging out the pool so that the pool, which is just deep enough to paddle in at the moment, will become a well of great depth and resource over time. So look, God says, for the miracles amongst you. Expect them and prepare for the miracles which will come. Talk about them, investigate them, tell others about them and be thankful. And be patient too because what you've seen so far is just the beginning of all that God is about to do in this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Well, come and do all of that, Lord. We receive your word with gladness. And we're overwhelmed by your goodness to us, Father. Amen. So it's interesting for me that God spoke about a pool. Um, Some of you will remember back in 2015, I brought a prophetic message to the church about Bethesda which is a covered pool mentioned in John chapter 5, where the, the blind, the lame, the disabled would sit around this pool and wait for a moving of the water because they believed that an angel would come down and stir the water. And if only you could get into the pool, that you would be healed in those moving waters. And in response to this word, Paul and Pauline, do you want to just come and demonstrate for us they, they felt to buy this circular rug, which they're just going to lay out for you. Um, and, and they've put it out in the encounter room uh, in, in, the prayer, in the prayer room. I'm just going to ask them to lay it out for you so you can see this beautiful rug. And uh, this, this rug is just an ordinary rug, okay? But it's a prophetic sign for us as a church that we put right in the middle of our prayer room of that prophetic promise that God gave us that we would uh, have a pool of healing amongst us. 
and it's already stirred. We don't need to wait because God is here. And so I just ask them to put it out. And if you want to come and sit in it or lie in it at any point during the service, you're quite welcome because it's, it is a prophetic sign of what God is doing amongst us, we believe. Uh, a few weeks after the prayer room was started, uh, um, an, a couple of African pastors who I knew very vaguely, one of whom was reputed to be a prophet, contacted me and said, we've heard about your prayer room. I thought, how on earth? But somehow they had heard about our prayer room and they said, can we come and pray in it? Well, of course. And we'd like to prophesy in it. We want to put a seed of prophecy in your prayer room. I, I, I welcomed them. These guys are amazing. They're absolutely radical. They spent the whole day in our prayer room. But they walked in and the first thing they saw was this rug. And immediately the guy, the prophetic guy started to prophesy over the rug. And he says, there is a pool of healing called Bethesda in this place. And the water has already been stirred. And the other guy, in response, immediately stepped into the pool because he needed healing. And his back was instantly healed. Step of faith into the pool. How about that? And uh, honestly, uh, I'd forgotten all about all of this until the Holy Spirit reminded me. This is back in 2015. Uh, He reminded me on Tuesday. So I want to remind you. And I also want to remind you, as we sort of come to the end of this amazing season in the church before a lot of us go off on holiday, I want to just look back a bit over what God has done this year. We kind of work in sort of academic years as churches, don't we? And we're going into a rest time now where lots of you are going to go away and and get restored in a different way. Holy days. Okay, have some time with God. And I want you to take this with you uh, because I I feel like it's, it's good to remind ourselves of what God has been doing. And and I also want to tell you some of the lessons that I think we've been learning as a church. I want to highlight that. And I also want to tell you some of the things I've been learning. And there is so much that I'm learning at the moment. I don't know how to fit it all in. So I'm just going to give you a couple of things. And maybe we'll come back to it later on in the year as well. But it really has been quite a remarkable year as a church. Uh, We've seen some quite significant healings. And I'm really encouraged. Because to be quite honest, I was quite discouraged uh, last year, uh, I'd begun to feel frustrated at the lack of healing that we were seeing. Um, not that we hadn't seen any healings. Actually, we'd seen many, but they'd been of the emotional and spiritual kind, uh, which are, are more difficult to talk about publicly and for obvious reasons. And I wanted to see physical demonstrations of God's power. I, I think that's quite reasonable, don't you? So I was starting to say, come on, God. Where is the God of Elijah? You know, I want some physical demonstrations of your power amongst us. I've seen so much in so many places. Now, come on, God, will you visit us? And there have been several big disappointments uh, during that season as well. Uh, So Sonny uh, was an Asian man who became a Christian and uh, was died of cancer. And we prayed for him and believed God for him. I spent so many, so many hours with him, leading him to, to God. And, and then he dies. And then a friend of mine, a pastor's daughter, uh, died again of cancer. His second daughter had died, uh, Kevin uh, from Raglan Road over in Smethwick. And so I was, I was beginning to feel a bit kind of, come on, God, what are you up to? 
but something has changed. Um, and as I've been just mulling this over, and this is what I want to just talk to you about, really. Is that okay if I just chat away? You know, got some stuff to share with you. I was just mulling it over and saying, look, what happened? What changed? How did it change? What, what was the, you know, I'm not looking for a formula, but why is it that suddenly we're starting to see these things happen? And uh, I've just been, some of the pieces of the jigsaw have just been coming together for me. And, uh, and, and I realized that it all started in October 2018. Uh, it was early in October, and I've been waiting to share this story with you. And I've only just been given permission to share this because we've been waiting for confirmation on all kinds of things. But in October 2018, there's a little boy called Joshua uh, Conibert. Um, who, nine months old, but very small, he was failing to thrive, I think it's called. He wasn't um, taking in nutrients. He, he wasn't growing. He was seriously ill and suddenly got much worse and ended up blue-lighted to the children's hospital. And he was dying. You know, he, he was dying and nobody really knew why. And uh, what was so frustrating for me was... He was in hospital for a week, and it took me a week to be able to go and see him because I was ill. I had a virus, and they wouldn't let me go and visit him because he was in intensive care. So all week, I'm saying, God, don't let him die. Lord, we're not having, I'm not having this. I was getting quite, you know, we were having some conversations. And eventually, I managed to go in and see him uh, on the Sunday afternoon after church. And as we got there, poor Naomi had been there with him the whole week and hardly slept a wink. As soon as we walked in, Alice and I, she said, here he is. You, you know, he's just out of intensive care, so you can sit with him. It's okay. But he's still got all these tubes and this kind of thing. And then Alison and she went off for a coffee or something, and I was just left there with little Joshua. I thought, I've got all this time to just pray for him. So I just started speaking over him, declaring over him. And, and I just started calling for the peace of God. I started speaking in tongues. I played with him a little bit, did some coloring. And gradually he started to And he settled down. And he hadn't slept properly for a whole week. So that was a miracle in itself. I just found myself saying, quietly but firmly, because there were other people around, I said, if there is anything demonic in this illness, you come out of him now in Jesus' name. And much to my surprise, which I shouldn't have been surprised, he sat up, bolt upright from sleep, all the tubes around him and everything, and he vomited everywhere, green bile-like vomit, went all over the bottom of the bed, and I was embarrassed. <laughs> we got the nurse to clean him up. I said, quick, clean him up before Naomi comes back. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, from he then went back to sleep, and he was out of hospital within two days. Inexplicably, they couldn't understand what had happened. And I didn't tell Naomi about it. I said, I didn't know what to say. And then within a couple of days after that, he was pronounced well. And they, they're still doing some tests because they still can't explain what's happened. Yeah. And he must have been healed is the only explanation that comes yeah. out. Isn't that, that's amazing. Yeah. The doctors are still coming, trying to come up with some kind of rational explanation, but I think we all know what God did. He's now been uh, discharged from most of the treatments. Isn't that amazing? Wonderful. But something had shifted. That started something. So that was in October, and then on the 4th of November, I had a dream, and I've shared this with some of you. 
And in the dream, sorry, if you're squeamish, just put your fingers in your ears for a minute. But in, in the dream, I was walking across a room. It was somewhere in Exeter. I knew it was Exeter because that's kind of where I lived as a teenager and I recognized the area that I was in. And as I walked across this room, bits of my skin were falling off my feet. It, it was just quite embarrassing and, and, and not very nice, really. And then a lady walks into the room, a lady called Carol Heal, who I knew from that, that time in my life. And she, she looked at me, she said, oh, those feet need some treatment. She said, but it's okay, I used to be a shropodist. I didn't know that. But she said, I used to be a shropodist. And then she got me to sit down and she started to massage my feet and put oil on them. And and I woke up, and the presence of God in my room was so intense. And I could feel my feet still being massaged. I thought, I wish we could go back to sleep (laughs) and finish that off. And then God started to speak to me, and he said, "Um, I'm adding healing, Carol Heal, to your ministry at this time at Jubilee. And it will start at Christmas. That's what Carol Heal is about. And that there will be legacy, skin left behind, coming from this ministry, which others will also catch. And I think that's what God's doing. Um, at this time, we were doing a series on discipleship and mission. And I just got to the one, go and heal the sick. You know, it was heal the sick, cast out demons, and, and tell the good news. And I came to this talk on healing. And I just had this dream, and I felt the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, you need to start recognizing the healings that you have already seen and give thanks for them. He just pointed out to me that so often we complain about what we are not seeing and forget to thank him for what is happening right in front of us. And I came under incredible conviction. And then I did this talk on the 18th of November, which I called The Barriers to Healing which shows you kind of where I was coming from. And I started then just in faith, really, listing some of the healings I'd seen, Uh, the spiritual ones, you know, the emotional ones. I I didn't say all the names of people to protect identities and that kind of thing. And I even testified about partial physical healings that I'd seen and gave thanks to God. And then the first point in the talk was something that God had said to me. He said to me, you are obsessed with the physical realm. And you are not rec- you are materialistic. You are not recognizing what I've done in the spirit. <laughs> and so I, I just talked about this in my talk to the church. And I said, the problem with you is that you're obsessed with the physical realm. You know, I just turned it on you. <laughs> uh, you're materialistic. Look around and see what God has already done. And I, and I asked the church at that time, and I'm quite happy to do it again, really. But how many of you have grown in God this year? Just got to know him a little. There you go. That's a healing. That's a healing. How many people have been saved this year and found Jesus for the first time? We have several in the church and none of them are here right now. Um, And I, I said, you know, how many people have felt peace this year in a way that they hadn't done before? How many people have encountered him and been healed in their heart, been able to forgive somebody this year? That's healing. How many people have been delivered from oppressive, horrible thoughts and demonic powers? Yes, that's healing. Thank you, Jesus, for those healings that we've already seen in the church. And I then led us into a time of corporate repentance as a church where we all said, Lord, we're so sorry for not acknowledging you. 
for not acknowledging what you've been doing. We want to thank you for these healings. Now, Tom wasn't there for this talk. He had this weak excuse that on Monday he'd broken his collarbone. This is the 12th of uh, November. And it was a complete break, which he told would more than likely take more than six to eight weeks to heal, and there was no guarantee that full movement would be returned and so on. Now, for you who don't know Tom, he was the guy who was leading worship this morning, okay? Now, for somebody who plays the guitar and sings, that's a bit inconvenient. Uh, and he's, he's wanting to be off sick, you know? And so he comes to church on the 2nd of December, and there's the second talk, which we called How to Bring Healing to Others. And uh, I was talking to him about this afterwards, and honestly, I was a bit frustrated. What, six to eight weeks of not leading worship? You know, you know can't you sing or something? No, it hurts too much, he said. <laughs> I was at my pastoral best. Um, <laughs> and it was honestly out of frustration, really, <laughs> that I thought I'd better pray for him. And, uh, and so I commanded accelerated healing. And for the bone that had been broken to be restored or replaced, and then I just walked away. Just... <laughs> 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 he needs other healing now. <laughs> and for the rest of the day, he's in agony, uh, which is awful, you know, terrible. Um, uh, and he has a sleepless night, which is unusual because he hadn't had a lot of pain up until I prayed for him. <laughs> But then the next morning he wakes up and he finds that the bone is completely restored and back in place two weeks and six days after the break. Come on. Come on. And you know, we've got to keep telling these stories. Some of you have heard this story before. We're going to keep telling them. It's really important. To quote the consultant, uh, a Muslim man, he says, I've never seen a collarbone heal that quickly and we couldn't have done better with surgery. And he was amazed at how far the bone had moved and completely agreed with Tom that that must have hurt a lot. And it was probably in response to prayer. And the doctor's exact words was, I don't know. I just don't know where that bone has come from. And he went on. He said, you need to go back now and ask for more prayer for full movement to be restored because that hardly ever happens. So the following Sunday, in a much more pastoral way... <laughs> We prayed for full movement to be restored, and it happened instantly. So just give us a wave, Tom. Yeah. So good. And then a team of us, are you enjoying this, or are you getting bored yet? Okay. So a, a few of us then went on, a, a team of us went on a trip to Lyon in France, and uh, they saw their first creative miracle happen there in the church. Because we prayed for a young lady, uh, and her ankle was completely restored. She was 21 years old and had a bone, a genetic bone-wasting disease and was losing her ability to walk. And she had the ankle of an 80-year-old. That's how the doctor described it. And after prayer, it was about 15 minutes of praying for her, she was literally walking and leaping and praising God and hopping on one foot, the foot that doesn't work anymore. 
And I followed this up a few weeks later, and yes, she's still running, walking, cycling, doing all those things. God has healed her, and she's kept her healing. Praise the Lord. Isn't that amazing? You can cheer if you want. Give glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And what has stood out for me in this season of healings, really, was the nature of some of the healings that we're seeing. We're seeing creative miracles. That's what they're called. So bones that weren't there, growing there. We saw a man in a wheelchair with his muscles regrowing. A lady who visited from London, apparently getting a new Achilles tendon, still walking and running and cycling several months later. And finally for now, I want to tell you about another miracle that we've just had confirmed. And again, I find it so hard to wait because I just get excited. But um, we've been waiting to hear back on it concerning a young lady called Becky, who's a friend of Roxy. Where's Roxy? There's Roxy over there. So you can go and check up with Roxy afterwards. Becky couldn't be here today, but she's really excited for me to share the story for her today. Um, So uh, Becky's been coming to Jubilee for a while. She first came to one of our worship evenings and encountered Jesus and then wanted to stay for the Sunday. Isn't that great? So and on the Sunday, it was a good job she came because Trudy, who's not here today, but Trudy shared a word of knowledge which described her exactly described her condition exactly and none of us knew this but Becky had been told that she had this rare illness which meant that her blood constantly clotted and that she'd be unlikely to live beyond the age of 22. She was aged 21. She had taken this so much to heart she's even had 21 tattooed on her arm. And so she was frightened and anxious and couldn't sleep, but Trudy called her out and described her condition and her symptoms. And Trudy was able to pray for her, and she felt peaceful. And she slept that week. But then another thing happened. On a regular visit to the doctor, he told her about this amazing opportunity for a cure that was only available in America, the first hope for a long time. She managed to raise the money for the trip, and was ready to go, but then two weeks before she was due to fly, she was rushed into hospital and and almost died because of a mass of blood clots that suddenly appeared in her left lung, and she was told that she probably wouldn't be able to go to America. But Becky knew what to do. She came back to church on Sunday, found Trudy, and got Trudy to pray for her. And the blood clots were gone by Tuesday. (laughs) And she was able to catch the plane to America. And it's incredible because the treatment has completely cured her. She came back and told us this. And she said, but I want to give all the glory to God. If, he hadn't, if I hadn't met him, if he hadn't spoken to me, if he hadn't taken away my blood clots, I could never have got the healing that I needed. So glory to God. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So I think God is up to something. There you go. Uh, and I want us to partner with him in this and work with him to deepen the pool of healing that he seems to be giving us. So the rest of my time, I just want to uh, look back at some of the things that he's been teaching us over this year. And some of the th- and you can catch up with a lot of the talks that we've done, especially around the Gods of God and Miracles uh, conference. If you're visiting, you can catch those on the web. Um, and I just want to sort of share some of the key things I think we've been learning and I've been learning personally. 
And here they are. Firstly, as a church, I think the first thing we've been learning is about the importance of the presence of God. You know, there have been all kinds of debates over the years about how miracles happen. And if you've been around any length of time, you'll know most of these. It's about prayer. Well, yeah, prayer is important. Well, some have made it about, well, it's doctrine. And, you know, doctrine is really important in teaching too. But some have made it about a man or a woman and written books about their lives and studied their stories and techniques and tried to copy them. They've made it about that. And this is all good stuff. But in all this, we've missed the most important thing. It's about being connected to him. It's about ministering from that place, from out of the glory of his presence. And this is the thing that we're learning is that miracles come from the presence of God. Sometimes even as we're worshipping, people just get healed. And sometimes we'll just say, look, just check it out. I mean, you check it out right where you are now. If you're in pain today, you check out a situation. God's here. His presence is here. And sometimes people just get healed without us even praying for them. That's what this pool is about. It's the well that's being dug out. The water is the deepening pool of his presence. It's all about his presence. Okay? It's not about who's ministering, who's speaking, who's praying even. It's about the fact that we are in his presence. So if you want to bring healing and miracles, you need to be a presence carrier. (laughs) And you'll need to bring people into an encounter. If you want to bring them into healing, bring them into his presence for them to be touched by him. It doesn't have to take a long time either if you're already in his presence. You can just touch people and the presence of God touches them. Or if you're sick yourself, you know, especially for those that have been long-term sick, I just want to encourage you, just sit in his presence. Just spend time talking to him. Let him heal you from the inside out. Make his presence your priority. I was reading a statistic recently that two-thirds of every visit to a doctor's surgery is because of illness related to stress or anxiety. Guys, we just need to learn how to sit in his presence and allow him to heal our hearts and substitute our fears with his love. You know, every miracle I've ever seen comes from his presence. That's the first thing we've been learning. Got it. The second thing we've been learning as a church is the importance of testimony, telling stories, powerful stories, and retelling them where God is the hero. Telling powerful stories where God is the hero. So don't ever get tired of hearing these stories. Don't ever get tired of retelling them. Make these stories part of our story together as a church. Let's not move on too quickly. That's one of the dangers of our society is that we move on to the next thing. Okay, that was great. What about this? What about this that hasn't happened yet? We move on too quickly. These stories work like supernatural battery packs that hold the power of God so that when when they are accessed, what God has already done can be done again. Our testimony can become another person's prophecy. Is that okay? So don't forget the stories. Tell them wherever you go. And I think these are what these vials of healing are that I was prophesying about earlier. These are like the vials of healing that we can take to broken people everywhere. And Lorraine is doing a great work at the moment starting to collate some of those stories for us to help us to keep hold of them and access them and check them out and that sort of thing. But the presence of God and powerful stories are about the supernatural culture of the church. And this 
focus, this emphasis will deepen and make transportable, I believe, the things that God is doing here. So that's what we've been learning. Probably those are the two most important things I feel like we've been learning in this season as a church. But what about individuals? How about bringing healing to individuals? Especially, I I was wondering whether to say this, but I'm going to be cheeky. Um, Unbelieving believers, ever come across them? Anyway, so I'll just say that, especially praying for unbelieving believers, it, it can be challenging praying for people that have been prayed for a few times. And the first thing we're learning here is about cultivating a thankful heart for the healings we've already seen. <laughs> you know, this just hit me between the eyes. This has been such a revelation for me. that the, I, know, I, I know this. I knew this. I've known this forever, but I didn't know it. Do you know what I mean? The word for healing in the Bible is sozo. And it means healed, saved, and delivered. All those three things. Spirit, body, emotions, whatever you want to call it. All of those things are involved. It's it's so much more than physical healing. And this is what God said to me. As I said earlier, we need to get over our obsession with the physical things and begin to recognize and give him proper glory for the things that he's already done. Be thankful. And because of this reality... Can you just feel this for me? Can you just hear this? Because of this reality, there isn't a single Christian on earth that can honestly say that they have never personally seen or experienced a supernatural healing. Do you understand that? None of us can stand before God and say, I have never seen a healing. The fact that we have a relationship with God and see others in relationship with him is a miracle. The fact that you've grown this year is a miracle. The fact that you no longer sin like you used to do, that's probably the biggest miracle of all. (laughs) Amen? So thank him for what you've already seen. But there is another thing about this thankfulness that I've been learning, and it's about making a point of thanking God for the good health that we have or that we are now experiencing on a regular basis. And maybe not everything's working like it used to, but so much of it is. How about giving thanks to him for that? Um, thank him for the strength that's in your hands, that you can serve him with, your feet so that you can walk in his ways. You know, Paul says, I urge you, this is really important, he says, offer up your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Offer your body to him. You know, if he, if he wants to keep using you, sneaky, this is sneaky, all right? If he wants to keep using you, he's going to have to heal you. <laughs> keep offering yourself, Lord, if you want me to go and do that, I can't actually walk very well at the moment. I need you to do something. If you want me to go and do that, you need to take this migraine away. Lord, if you need, or you're going to have to help me do it with a migraine. I'm just saying. You know, I've personally experienced healing and recovery when I've done this. And I've become more convinced about the benefits of living with a thankful heart to keep us healthy for longer. Some of you will know I have just received an amazing miracle for myself, and I still don't know quite what to do about it. About four years ago, I was told that I probably, because I only see out of one eye, okay, I see a little bit out of my left eye, but not a lot. And uh, about four years ago, I was told I had the beginnings of old age eyes, you know. So they had to give me glasses. 
different kinds of glasses. But actually, that's more significant for somebody who only sees out of one eye. So when it deteriorates, it actually becomes more of a problem. And then uh, we had a conference here called The God of Miracles when Surprise came. Some of you all know about Surprise. And he prophesied over some of us, and lots of us thought it was really funny. He said, uh, some of you are going to see the reversing of age-related diseases. And because he speaks multiple languages, he couldn't think of the right word. And he says, you're going to be younganized. And we actually thought that was really funny and really cool. But I took it dead seriously because I had been talking to God about this. I said, Lord Moses, he didn't get old like we do. You know, and then there was Aaron, was it? And, and then the clothes didn't wear out. So what's going on here? Are you not the same God? And I prayed for older people and I haven't seen the same kind of healings. And I felt really convicted about my own attitude because honestly... Sometimes when you pray for older people, you think, well, you're just old, you know? What do you expect? We're all getting older. You know, that, that's deterioration. It's the second law of thermodynamics or something. <laughs> just saying. And I felt God really convict me about this. So when surprise said these words, I felt the Holy Spirit came on me. And I put my hands on my eyes. I said, Lord Jesus, I don't want to see my eyesight go. I don't want to be, I love reading, Lord, and I love reading your word and all these things. You know, I use all of them, you know. <laughs> I love preaching and being able to see what I'm doing and that kind of thing. Nothing happened. Nothing happened for me. In fact, within two weeks, my eyes deteriorated significantly again. And I had to go back to the opticians because I couldn't see what I was reading. I couldn't see properly in the distance. It was getting blurred and there's strange things going on with my eyes. And he gave me a much stronger prescription. He said, well, this is just the way it is. You're getting old and like that. I'm only 50, for goodness sake. And I walked away from that, and I wasn't happy. I said, Lord, come on. Surprise comes all the way from Africa. And he prophesies all this stuff. What are you doing, Lord? And I just left it with him because I didn't know what else to say. But I just started offering myself to God. I said, Lord, I'm your servant. You know, you use me. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Do whatever you want to do. I'm going to trust you for that. And then we had our first meeting, which we've got tonight. In that meeting, it was the most incredible sense of the manifest presence of God. People were getting healed. Um, people were giving testimonies. I couldn't close the meeting because people kept wanting to say stuff, you know. And we went on for more than half an hour over our time because God came. And people seemed to like God more than TV on a Sunday evening, you know. I don't know exactly what happened, but I know sometime that evening I walked into an encounter with God. And by Tuesday, I couldn't see anymore through my new glasses. I had to drive on the motorway and I couldn't see properly. I said, oh, no, it's getting even worse. I was, I was meant to be doing a talk somewhere. I couldn't read my iPad. And I drove home. I could barely see driving along the motorway. And I was having to, I thought, oh, I'm having to look over my glasses to see. This is a bit strange. And I went into the opticians the following day and said, look, I'm really worried now. You told me that it was going to get worse, but crumbs. And he said, uh, I don't understand it. He spent an hour and a quarter with me. He said, I don't understand it. Your eyesight has radically improved. 14 levels of improvement. This is impossible. Not only is it short, but long. Come on. So cool. They've had to give me my money back. I'm wearing old glasses now. Come on. He even saves us money. 
Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Number one, then, cultivating a thankful heart. Number two, dealing with disappointment for what hasn't yet happened. You know, we've done quite a lot about disappointment over the years as a church, and uh, it's actually a very common problem for us because we believe. You know, we believe in a God who does miracles, so when they don't happen, we get disappointed with him. And also, we have another issue that we feel so entitled as well, especially in the West. I shouldn't have to suffer, you know. I'm in the West. NHS and all the rest, you know. And when we suffer any kind of disruption in the comfort of our life, we get quite cross. We quite get very disappointed. And we get confused in our minds with the apparent contradictions of a loving God who doesn't keep all of the suffering from our door. Anyway, that's a whole other subject, isn't it? But, you know, disappointment robs us of any future miracles that God wants to do in our lives. If you doubt this, then try praying with somebody who's disappointed. (laughs) Or try praying for yourself if you've been disappointed. The heavens are like brass. Anybody? So we need to deal with disappointment for healings and miracles. For what we haven't already seen or experienced. So here's three steps. Number one, be honest with yourself and with God. I mean, who are you fooling? You know everything about you, and he knows everything about you too. So who are you fooling? So just tell him, Lord, I'm really disappointed. I'm not happy with this. Just tell him, get it off your chest. Use a psalm to help you if you're worried that it's unbiblical. There's some pretty wild things in the psalms. Secondly, change your mind about it. Yes, you're disappointed. But the more you focus on the thing you're disappointed on, the more disappointed you feel. But guys, there's so much more to your relationship with God and your life than the thing that you're disappointed about. I've just spent a a day in the car with Kevin Sadler, our good friend from over at Raglan Road, who lost two daughters to cancer. I said, Kevin, if it was me, I wouldn't be able to function anymore. How on earth do you keep going? How do you keep leading the church? How do you keep preaching? How do you keep believing? How do you keep praying? And he said, oh, Rob, he's good. I said, you're kidding me. He said, he is good. I've got some questions, but I know that he's good. Come on, guys. If he can do that, seriously. That's the word of the Lord for you. Thirdly, lay down your right to understand. Agree and accept the need to live with some mystery in your relationship with God. You know, with healing, there will always be an element of mystery, and that's all right. If you understood everything, your God wouldn't be very big. If you can understand everything about God, then he isn't God. He's bigger than you. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. They're wider. He does more than we can imagine or ask or think. Sometimes he completely surprises us. Lord, why on earth do you touch my eyes? So lovely of you. Thank you. Deal with disappointment. Give it to God and help other people do the same. So one of the things I've done several times, and I, don't want, I really don't want to give you formulas, but this is just something I found quite helpful. You know, when you pray with somebody and you go up and say, so has anybody else prayed with you about this? Yeah, about a million. About a million people and nothing's ever happened. And you just think, oh, what is the point? 
and you kind of get alongside them and say, yeah, I feel depressed too, you know? <laughs> and you've got no hope to offer, and you don't, suddenly God isn't there anymore, and you're wondering what on earth it's all about. Is it just me? But sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to mock. But we do need to take a bit of a laugh at some things when we see the strategies of the enemy. And so one of the things I just felt, I was praying with somebody a little while ago, and as I touched them, and they told me about all the times they've been prayed for, I suddenly transported into the heavenly realm, and I saw in heaven a golden bowl full of all the prayers of the saints being offered up to God. And I suddenly realized that every prayer that had ever been prayed was held there in front of him. And so I said, do you know what? All the prayers have been collected up. I'm going to add mine in on top. And hey, it might help. My prayer added in. So I said, Lord, remember all those prayers. I recited back to him. I said, Lord, every single prayer that's been prayed by every single person, remember, remember those prayers, Lord. Remember. And I add my prayers to those prayers. I said, Lord, do it now. Will you do it today for this lady? She's asked you so many times. And she was healed. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But I want to encourage you to be creative when you come to pray for people. Be open to the Holy Spirit and allow him to show you how to pray. That's number two. Second, be bold then and ask for something completely different, preferably completely unexpected. You know, in this atmosphere of his presence, having told the miracle stories that's always helpful when you're praying with somebody tell them miracle stories of what you've already seen even from your own life for and tell them about other people's stories as well and having cultivate a thankful heart help them to just give thanks to god and and if necessary help people to deal with disappointment now is the time to ask god for something completely amazing and unexpected uh, and so often, as I was saying, we've prayed to people and they've been prayed for time and time again. They can be some of the hardest people to pray for. And even some of your prayers are hindering them. You know, you understand? And so I've just taken a bit more time to help to process with people, allowed them space to express their doubts and fears, lighten the atmosphere a bit, say, should we just have a go? You know, it can't hurt, can it? We could have a go. I mean, I could have a go. Is that right? Yeah, come on, let's have a go and pray for people. A lady uh, with back problems, I was just referring to about this golden bowl. She was somebody who'd been prayed for so many times, and so that she was actually sick of being prayed for, you know, double sickness. <laughs> and so I led her through these steps of recalling the miracle she'd seen and led her to give thanks for the miracle she'd personally experienced, peace of God, spiritual gifts. We acknowledged the disappointment. We gathered up all the prayers in the golden bowl, and then I said, do you know what? I'm not going to pray for your healing. She looked really shocked. Well, why have you been wasting my time kind of thing? I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to pray for your healing. I'm not going to pray for the pain to go. I'm going to pray for something completely different. I think you need some new discs in your back. Your spine needs to open now and allow these new discs to come in. It's no good me just praying for healing. You actually need a creative miracle. And with that, the power of God came on this young lady. She bent double over like that. Her nose was nearly on the ground. By the way, she can't bend over at this point. And then she says she felt like fingers pushing into her back. I haven't even touched her. 
she is down there for about 10 seconds and then she springs up like this and she goes, oh, I think it's done. All the pain was gone. All the pain was gone. And she, I contacted her uh, the following week and she said, I am convinced that I have new discs. It's springy. It's like there's something in there. It's completely different. She's walking and doing all the stuff. She's back to work and all that. Come on, Jesus. That's the kind of thing. I'm not going to pray for your healing. I'm going to ask God for something completely different that you'd never expect. It opens up a whole new vista and understanding of God. God can do the impossible. If he can raise the dead, that's what we learned having surprise with us. He's had eight people raised from the dead. If that's the scale, the come on, this is tiny. I haven't raised the dead yet, but I'm up for it. I'm up for a go, you know. We're over a funeral parlor. That would be fun, wouldn't it? But, you know, if we are going to be, <laughs> we, t- we told Surprise he wasn't allowed to pray in my office, actually, just in case, because we just, <laughs> just didn't want to explain it. Um, but, you know, if we're going to be bold asking for something completely different, then you're going to need to avoid all formulas except one. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, under his leading, I found myself over the years boldly asking for new body parts, commanding veins to grow, for DNA to be reprogrammed. That surprised me. For new neural pathways to develop in the brain because of depression and so on. So many. Commanding a new kneecap and seeing it grow in front of our eyes. I would never have dared to ask for such a thing. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Be in his presence. Be a presence carrier. And miracles are going to happen. Amen.